What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Another elevated event on the PGA Tour schedule, three out of the last four weeks. And we'll have another one for the Players' Championship next week. Uh, even the Honda was pretty good. I don't know if you guys saw the optimal lineup. It was like $45,700. It'll be in... Uh, my newsletter this week, rickrungood.com slash newsletter, along with other snippets and data things that uh, you might be interested in or you might not. Either way, it's free, so you might as well sign up and get it in your inbox. Uh, we'll take a data-driven look through Bay Hill and this absolutely stacked field. Things to look for, potentially some things to avoid. Let's jump into it right now. Here is the course key stats tool on rickrungood.com. It's my website. Everything you see will come from my website here. And Bay Hill is a golf course that we see a lot and we know a lot about. A couple of items out of the gate. This is long-ish, right? 7,400 yards at a par 72. It plays a little bit longer than that because uh, you are basically at sea level and also the thick rough that if you miss the fairway, you're not really getting any extended roll and you are forced to kind of gouge it out of there. So playing out of the fairway um, in the eye test is important, but if you look at the course key metrics, which has zero opinion in it, driving accuracy is not super important as long as you have club head speed. So for those who are new, the way that this specific model works is it looks at uh, the types of golfers that have had success at every single golf course on the PGA Tour over the last handful of years. And it finds trends in those players. And it says what stats have been most highly correlated to success. Driving accuracy, not very correlated at all. In fact, in a negative correlation, just a smidge, but basically a zero. Driving distance, on the other hand, ranks 14th out of 50 PGA Tour courses, which means there's only 13 other courses in which driving distance was more important. If you look over to the left-hand side of the screen, you'll see another stat that backs that up a little bit more, and it's club head speed. So club head speed ranks seventh, which means there's only six other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which club head speed is more important. That makes sense, right? Club head speed not only equates to driving distance, but also allows you to extract your ball from thick rough. Club head speed allows you to move it out where other guys have to maybe club down. They're not able to make a solid contact. They're not able to, um, you know, st strong arm their way through the rough. So that, that makes a lot of sense that club head speed driving distance are kind of hand in hand here. The other thing that you're going to see, and this is a pretty big number is strokes gained approach ranking seventh. So if you look at the values, as opposed to the ranks, you'll always notice that strokes gained approach is one of the most valuable stats. That's why we rank them because if we didn't rank them, it would just be like, Oh, strokes gained approach, strokes gained total, whatever. Right. It would just always be the number one stat. So when you rank it, you say, what about this course compared to another course? Is it more important than the average? Is it less important than the average? So on and so forth. So that's why we have both the value and the rank here on the screen for strokes gained approach to rank seventh which means there's only six other courses in which strokes gained approach is more important. And strokes gained approach is already one of the weekly most important stats. That stands out to me. It slaps me in the face, right? And says, wow, okay, we are really looking for second shot golfers around this golf course. A uh, couple of other items. Let me show you the scorecard for Bay Hill. What do you notice about 
this scorecard? Um, well, I would turn your attention to the par threes. They are all very long. Number two plays 231 yards. Number seven, that's the shortest, 199 yards. Uh, 215 is number 14, and number 17 is 221. This is, or at least last year, was the longest set of non-major par threes. I believe Southern Hills for the PGA Championship was the only one that was longer on average par three length. So when you get an outlier, when you get an extreme like that, it's worth noting to say they have the shortest or the longest set of par threes or par fours or par fives or whatever it is. When you have an extreme, when you have an outlier, it's worth noting. So we'll keep this in mind when we run a custom model at the end of the show. We're going to put some weight on long par threes. That, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put some weights on approach play. We're going to put some weights on maybe driving distance. We'll see when we get there. But that's that's the idea of what we're going to do. The other thing is that in terms of sticky course history, Bay Hill's pretty sticky. Uh, it plays fairly consistently every single year. They haven't done any massive upgrades or changes or renovations or anything like that in recent history. So we're getting a very, very consistent history. When you start to run the numbers and see how sticky it is, it's very much up there with Augusta National uh, in terms of like, hey, you're going to get a consistent field. You're going to get consistent results. The guys who tend to have success um, always have good success or the guys that struggle always struggle, at least compared to other courses on the PGA Tour. So we'll talk about some guys that have really good course history in just a second. Take everything that you have just learned about this golf course. Take everything that the model has pumped out and said, okay, these are the important stats. Apply it to the last 36 rounds for everybody on the PGA Tour, and this is what you get. The adjusted fit numbers, where the stats from the last 36 combine with what's important and spits out guys that should fit this golf course the best, whether they have played here or not. Uh, a lot of these guys have because it's an invitational. They're the top players, so on and so forth. John Rahm is number one. John Rahm is probably going to be number one at most golf courses. The way he's been playing the last 36, the way his it just, it travels. Max Homa is number two. Not a huge surprise there, but he is $9,700 compared to John Rahm's 11500 so worth noting. Jason Day's the first infiltrator of somebody under $9,000. He's 8500 Jason Day's been playing phenomenal golf. Jason Day has won this event before. He has a big adjusted fit number with Tony Finau and Scotty Scheffler rounding out the top five. Scotty Scheffler won this event last year. Right behind Scotty Scheffler, Terrell Hatton, who has won this event. Will Zalatoris is next. Xander Shoffley, Roy McIlroy. Rory's won this event. Patrick Cantlay's there. And then Minwoo Lee and Tommy Fleetwood round out the top 12 or so. So you can go through this. You can adjust it. Maybe you want to look at the last 50 or last 100 rounds or, or whatever, last 12 rounds. But that that's available to you on rickrungood.com. Um, I think that's it for the course for now. Let's continue over to the cheat sheet and start talking some names. Only three golfers over $10,000. Uh, John Rahm's over $11,000. He's the most expensive, $11,500. Scotty Scheffler, $10,900. Rory McIlroy, $10,600. All deserving before we get a pretty big gap, honestly, to golfer number four at Max Home and $9,700. Talk about him in a second. Um, here's John Rahm. John Rahm is uh, by far the best player in the world right now. It's not particularly close. Last 36 rounds, he's gaining 3.25 strokes per round. That's across all tours. So even the guys like Patty Harrington, who gets a huge boost for crushing the senior tour, Minwoo Lee, who gets a huge boost for crushing the European tour, John Rahm doing it primarily. Obviously, there's some, some Euro stats in there, but a couple of 
elevated events along the way. John Rahm is stunning. Uh, Roy McIlroy's second, 2.68. So there is a pretty decent gap. Both of these guys are just absolute in a tier of their own. Um, you know, I mentioned it because I've been lucky enough to be, I was in, I was in, honestly, I've seen, I've seen John Rahm hit most of his shots in his last three events. I, I saw him in Torrey. I saw basically every shot he hit in Phoenix for the most part. And nearly every shot he hit at Riviera. And after I saw him in Phoenix, I was like, holy crap, this guy is going to win Riv. And I don't usually fire on a seven and a half or eight to one golfer. Happy I did. John Rahm won at Riviera. And it's just, it's really hard to describe because I want to do this from a data-driven approach where I look at this and say, okay, he gained 12 and a half strokes ball striking at the Genesis Invitational. He's gaining from tee to green double digits consistently. He's got some of the best short game in the world. The putter's back. He's gained with the putter all but once dating back to, to Memphis of last year. It was like 12 starts ago. I mean, he is just so locked in and well-rounded. And I will tell you that when you go out and watch him, you will still see it does not feel like he's playing his best. And this is a gift and a curse, right? Rory McIlroy's the same way. These guys are so good that whatever score they post, it always feels like the highest score they're going to post because they're so incredibly talented. But you still feel like John Rahm is leaving a little bit on the table. Now, for DFS purposes, it, it is likely going to come down to what the projected ownership is for these top three golfers. Now, we'll get that. Um, there'll probably be a first run on Monday night on rickrungood.com that'll update multiple times throughout the week. By the time we chat again, which will be Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, live chat, Rick Run Good YouTube channel, we'll have a very, very good idea of what the ownership is going to be at the top of the board. Scotty Scheffler is next. Um, Scotty is already successfully defended one title this year in Phoenix. He is now defending again, your winner from last year. And I thought the same thing about Scotty as I did about John Rahm. It's like, there's still a lot out there that he can, that he can gain. And he is so good from T green. I bet you he is probably, let's do this. Let's do just PGA tour rounds over the last 36 in terms of strokes gained tee to green, and it is, yeah, Scotty Scheffler, 1.8. So if we see a marked difference in um, projected ownership between, let's say, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, John, uh, uh, Scotty Scheffler, who has this ability to almost like rebound a little bit, right, to gain three or four strokes with the putter and probably win, might end up being a little bit more appealing. We'll see, though. Now, I'm almost hoping a little bit that Rory McIlroy goes forgotten. Now, I can't imagine he's Rory McIlroy. It's Bay Hill. Um, let me just show you what he's done at Bay Hill. It is pretty ridiculous. So this is uh, eight starts dating back to eight, eight starts dating back to 2015. He's never missed a cut. He's never finished worse than T27. He's got a win, four other top tens a T11, and a T13. It's as good as it gets. I'm not exaggerating here. So um, let me do a couple of things real quick. I'm going to go to the Holy Grail. I'm going to punch in the last eight years of everybody at this event. We're going to sort it by strokes gain total. We're going to look for guys that have a decent sample size. Roy McIlroy has 28 rounds. He's gaining 2.4 strokes per round. Terrell Hatton is uh, 24 rounds. He's at 1.8. Okay, so that's nearly two-thirds of a stroke per round difference, but still very, very good for both of these guys. Rory McIlroy, 28 rounds, 2.4 strokes gained per round, is entering the territory or is in the territory of elite, elite 
course history for any golfer at any course. Um, it's actually the trivia question in this week's Run Good Rundown in the newsletter of some other examples of this, but I'll try, I'll try not to give it away here. So I'm not going to give away the answer to the trivia question here, but similar type course histories. This is minimum of 20 rounds dating back to 2016, so eight years. Minimum 20 rounds, guys that are gaining over two strokes per round. Um, Patrick Cantlay, TPC Summerlin. Actually, Patrick Cantlay again, Muirfield Village. Uh, John Rahm at the stadium course, the American Express. I'm, I'm skipping around because I don't want to. I don't want to give away the answer. Um, Max Homa at Riviera. Uh, let's see, Adam Hadwin at the Stadium Course. Ricky Fowler, TPC Scottsdale. Okay, so that's what we're talking. We're talking elite levels of course history for Rory McIlroy. Also, finally, on Rory, if you look at his stat profile, him gaining eight strokes at Riviera, six at Phoenix is basically on par with you know what he did in Dubai in a fourth-place finish, what he did at the BMW PGA Championship in a runner-up finish. It's just that he lost basically eight strokes putting. And he has been much better with the flat stick as of late, now with a little bit of time to kind of get that sorted out because the rest of his game was absolutely splendid. You, you, know, you give him five strokes at Riv, or, or actually... You know, based on it, that's basically six strokes off his expectation at Riv, and like five and a half off his expectation at at um, in Phoenix. So it's not nearly as bad as the finishing positions look, which were T thirty two and T twenty nine, which are still pretty darn good. Okay, um, the nine thousand dollar race. So so what DraftKings pricing has done is they they've basically said it's 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 those three and then everybody else. It's a pretty big gap, especially in this elevated event um, into the nine thousand dollar tier, which is stacked with golfers. Let me point out a couple of things here. Um, one, I'm a little bit worried about Justin Thomas. I admit I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place with JT right now. I'm having a hard time putting my finger on what's happening with him. He had this stretch of golf from the Scottish open to the tournament of champions where he was literally tour average on approach, which is really, really scary. And then I thought, Hey, he's finding it. He gains a little over, uh, you know, stroke per round on approach in Phoenix and at Torrey Pines, and then he just gives it back and then some at, at Riv. Right, he loses three strokes on approach, and now I I really don't know what to do. Um, I will probably not get to any tangible overweight exposure. On Justin Thomas, the reason for that is when you, I mean, you have to start crossing some of these guys off the list. They're, it's an elevated event with 44 of the top 50 players in the world. It's the most top 50 players in the world since the um, 2022 Open Championship. So so to start crossing these guys off the list, like it's, it's hard to do in the 9K range. But Justin Thomas feels like the first X for me. The other thing that kind of br- breaks that tie or makes me think that is... He doesn't have a lot of experience around here. He's only played this event once. He played it in 2015. It was T49. When you look at like Rory and how often he's been here and how often some of these other guys have been here, it's just another knock against JT. I, I hope he figures it out. I have a lot of like season-long investment in Justin Thomas, but I, I'm just I'm just not there for this week. The next two guys, uh, Colin Morikawa and Will Zalatoris, 95 and 94, I probably could not be any more in on. So here's Colin's profile. The, the miscut in Phoenix where he just gave it away in the short game is not a problem whatsoever. That is 
in the range of outcomes for Colin Morikawa. He is back to striping it. He's showing improvements with the putter. He's gained with the flat stick in three of four. His short game was great at Riv. And I, I just, I love his stat. His stat profile is one of, of winners. It is, it is elite on approach, uh, very good from Tita Green, and you're either going to gain four or lose six with the putter. And when you gain four, you're going to win, basically. That, that's, that's the path. And, and I, just, I just love Colin. Now, the other thing is, um, I know that driving accuracy is not uh, highly correlated to success, but if you're going to give me an elite approach player who plays out of the fairway much more frequently than everybody else, cool. Let's, let's roll with that. The other thing, and let me check to make sure they're still hanging these odds before I say it, but there was one other thing I pointed out on Twitter that I thought was weird. So very quickly... There's a weird, I don't know if it's a disrespect for Colin Morikawa or a respect for everybody else. This is DK Sportsbook. They have Colin at 7-1 to one to win a major, which you look at on the surface and you're like, okay, I don't know if that's a good number or not. But then you start comparing it to everybody else. Jordan Spieth is 6-1. to one. Is Jordan Spieth more likely to win a major championship this year than Colin Morikawa? Probably not. Is Justin Thomas is 3.5-1. to one. Is Justin Thomas twice as likely to win a major championship this year as Colin Morikawa? Probably not. The other ones that got me were, uh, where is it? Tom Kim is five to one. Tom Kim is more likely to win a major championship than Colin Morikawa. Tony Finau more likely to win a major championship plus 650. So here's the other thing that doesn't add up on this. If you go through each one of the major championships and look at what the odds actually are, PGA Championship, Colin is 20 to one. Uh, Tony Finau is 35. Tom Kim is 35. Then you go to the Masters. Colin is 18 to 1. Tony Finau is 25 to 1. Tom Kim is 35 to 1. Then you go to the Open Championship. Colin is 22. Finau is 35. Tom Kim is 40. Then you go to the last one, the US Open. Uh, Colin is 20. Tony is 28. Tom Kim is 35. So DK themselves hanging Colin Morikawa with basically. Uh, half the price as as Finau and and Tom Kim in every major, but he's longer to win a major. I don't know if it's a good bet. I'm just saying it doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, that's my that, that's my rant there on Colin Morikawa. I think he's just going to snap off and uh, he's just so dangerous. Um, Will Zalatoris. So Will Zalatoris has been a guy that I've been very much wait and see since the back injury and he was coming back and we were trying to figure out what he is, I think I've seen enough, right? I think I'm happy to be in here now. So so finishes fourth at Riv and did the thing. Four strokes on approach, a stroke per round. That's what you want to see from Zalatoris. Another stroke per round off the tee. So that's eight in the ball striking categories. Plus around the greens and plus with the putter. Here's a dirty little secret. Will Zalatoris can putt well. Okay, he has gained strokes in five of his last six. His last 17 measured events. Let me get this right. I'm going to get the numbers right. His last 17 measured events, he is gaining 21 strokes putting. The 17 prior to that, he lost 20 strokes. So that is a 41 and change stroke improvement with the putter from this last 17 to the 17 prior. Zalatoris is a lot better putter than people realize he is. So now you get a guy who could be back to being an elite ball striker, uh, has shown that his putter is improved, and his short game is adequate. 
like, yeah, let's go. Will Zalatoris. Nothing really against the rest of this 9K range, but when you're going to be pretty heavily invested in Colin Morikawa and Will Zalatoris and you're going to have a little bit of exposure to Max Homa and Tony Finau, there's probably just not enough to go around for me. Those other guys are all, are, are all great. Um, the 8K range here. Now, this is quite interesting as well. A couple that stand out to me. Cam Young is $8,700. Um, Cam Young quietly lurking. I, I am still worried, and I, I think I said this before Riviera as well, I'm still worried about the short game. That was one of the things that set him apart from the other bombers last year is that his short game was so good. He has now lost four straight around the green. He's now lost with the putter in four out of five and in six out of eight. That's concerning, but I do love the ball striking metrics. I love the way he drives it. I love the way I love the way he's hitting it. So I still am a little bit worried about that, but at 89 or excuse me, $8,700 for a guy who finished 13th last year who has legitimate high-end upside, that's attractive. Matt Fitzpatrick also, so just to show you this, um, here's Fitzy, the 26 rounds at Bay Hill dating back to 2016 is the third best of anybody uh, anybody who has at least 24 rounds played. So it's Rory, it's Terrell Hatton, it's Matt Fitzpatrick. Both Fitzpatrick and Hatton are in this $8,000 range. Uh, Fitzy also has a, a missed cut in there. So he missed the cut in 2018. So that means he's going to have a lot of high-end finishes. His last four are T9, T10, T9 runner-up. The missed cut, and then it was T13, T27, has gained a ton of strokes on the on the putting surfaces. He's a much better long-game player now than he's ever been. That makes a lot of sense. The other one is Jason Day. Jason Day is going to be incredibly popular, and it is for good reason. Um, just in terms of raw strokes gain total across all tours. So again, Padraig Harrington gets a big boost here. Minwoo Lee gets a big boost here. Jason Day is sixth over the last 36 rounds. He's $8,500. And then you dive deeper into his stat profile, and you're going to you're gonna be impressed, right? As you should be. He's been great from tee to green. The putter is back. He's basically gaining across the board every single week. This season, actually, I'll do this. I'll do strokes gained this season. So that goes back to the Fortinet Championship. Some guys have played more than others, but we are getting guys with a lot of rounds right now. This season, John Rahm, number one, 28 rounds, 2.85. Scotty Scheffler, number two, 33 rounds, 2.09. Jason Day, number three, 36 rounds, 1.86. Finau, Rory, Cantlay, Homa are next. What is the only thing that Jason Day doesn't have? The win. Right, all those other guys have won. Rom's won a couple times. Scotty's won. Has Finau won this season? I don't think he's won this season, right? Oh no, he. Oh my God, yeah, he did. Houston. Rory only has twelve rounds, but he's got a win in there as well. CJ Cup. Can't lay. Does he have a win this season? No, I don't think he does. No, a third and a runner-up, and then Homa, who's already what got two wins this season. Yeah. So Jason Day's done everything but win. He'll be very popular as he should be. Two interesting guys at the bottom of this range, Sam Burns. I don't like to see how inconsistent Sam Burns has been. Missed cut, T6, T11, and then 32nd at the Tournament of Champions out of, what, 39 golfers? I don't like to see that. But what I do kind of like is his ability to flip the switch a little bit. So, you know, his next start after losing five strokes at the Tournament of Champions is gain nine. Gain nine again in Phoenix. Now he lost four at Riviera. Is he going to snap back? Like, he's, he has not necessarily been foreshadowing his play. It's just like snip, snap, snip, snap. 
back and forth, Sam Burns trying to figure out his game. So if we get a snap uh, and we get Ceiling Burns, Ceiling Burns can win this golf tournament. Uh, you know, it would be one thing if this was Patrick Rogers and you were like, well, Ceiling Rogers is like T19. At least Ceiling Burns can win the golf tournament. So you'd be, t- I think you're taking on more risk with Sam Burns and some of these other guys in the AK range. But if you get good Burns, uh, it goes a long way. The other one was Keith Mitchell. Yeah. So Keith Mitchell, you know, say what you want about how hard it is to win golf tournaments and if he should have played better at Rivia. Like I walked with that. I, that was just. Uh, that final group was diabolical, right? It was Homa, it was Rom, and it was Keith Mitchell. And Homa and Rom were sucking up all the energy in the world. Um, Keith Mitchell is one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour. He's not lost strokes off the tee since the Open Championship. He has not lost a stroke off the tee since the Wells Fargo of last year. That was in May, so that was nine months ago. Tee to green game is stout. Um, loves himself some Florida golf, right? Here it is at, at API. He's never missed the cut. T6 and T5 in 19 and 20, T43 and T61 in the last two years. He's been pretty bad around the greens at at Bay Hill, but um, he's generally a much better short game player than that around the greens. So interesting to see him at the bottom of the 8K range. We'll see what kind of uh, what kind of run he gets. Good stuff coming out of the 7K range. Worth noting, you know, Shane Lowry, I am mostly indifferent on. I probably skew bearish. He's played well the last two weeks. I love to see it. T14 at Riv, T5 at Honda, where he gained 18 strokes from T to green. This terrifies me. Four straight missed cuts. He's never made the cut at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now, I'll throw one of them away. 2015, that's too long ago. I don't care about that. But he missed the cut in 18, 19, and 21. Um, Say what you will. Is he a better golfer now? I don't know. Probably. Probably the best golfer, he's best version of himself he's ever been. But that worries me. Uh, because I think these guys know that, right? We always hear these guys go to places that they play well, and they always think that they can just play well again, even if they're not. And they know the opposite as well. They've never played well. It doesn't set up well to their eye, whatever it ends up being. Would you play Chris Kirk again? <laughs> would you Would you play Chris Kirk again? Chris Kirk, obviously, good for you, Chris. Uh, first victory since... Uh, basically eight years ago, wins the Honda Classic. He does it in well-rounded fashion where he gains eight and a half strokes in the ball striking categories, nine from tee to green. So now in his last four starts, he has a win and two third place finishes. And his results at Arnold Palmer are solid, right? His last four, T5, T8, T15, T13, miscut T12. So five of his last six years are all top 15 finishes. This goes back to like, what do you think... What do you think the win is worth? Is it worth a negative week the next week? Is it worth like, oh man, take a deep breath. Haven't won in eight years. I probably, um, you know, focused on that for too long. And now I've got to reset and readjust and go to like, I don't know. He's playing great golf. He's playing great golf. I don't know. I wouldn't mind. What if he, what if he checked in at like 7%? Would he, would he check it? Well, I guess we'll find out on Wednesday, but I don't, somebody remind me about that. Cause I want to. I want to keep that in the in the hopper. Um, probably my favorite K in this. Uh, my favorite K. My favorite play in the seventy six in the seven thousand dollar range might be Keegan Bradley. So this is also kind of hard. I don't know what the temperature of Keegan is on in the industry. I'm pretty high on him. So he misses the cut at Riviera where he loses four strokes putting. Okay, like who cares? Keegan's gonna do that. He did it to Tournament of Champions. It's not that big of a deal. He now in his last eight starts 
has a win, a runner-up at Torrey, a T5, Jackson, and a T20 in Phoenix. That's a lot of good golf. And he's putting better. Despite the four strokes he punted at Riviera, which anybody, I mean, 12 and a half on the stimp on Poa Greens. And those things were, dude, they were diabolical. Everything ran out an, an extra foot or two. And then you've got a bunch of these five footers. It's easy to lose four strokes putting at Riviera. I promise you. Even the best were very much knee knocking it around that place. You want course history? Keegan's got course history. He missed the cut in 2011. That's the last time he's missed the cut because he's rattled off 10 made cuts in a row, including four top 11 finishes, including each of the last two years, T11 and T10. So we'll see what the industry wants to do with my main man Keegs at 7,600 bucks, but right off a missed cut, no problem going back to him. Oh, this is good too. Let's play the Luke List game. Luke List, I would argue, <laughs> is, I, I wrote this up in my newsletter as well. If you want consistency and you want to know what you're getting, look no further than Luke List. You know what you're going to get. He's going to gain strokes from T to green, or at least gain strokes in the ball striking count. He gained 13 strokes ball striking at Riviera. Lost nine and a half in the short game categories. Seven with the putter. He is on a stretch where he has lost strokes putting in 17 consecutive events. That's almost impossible. Going back to the U.S. Open, it's then he had then he gained two weeks in a row. He gained at Memorial in the PGA Championship, and he lost another like 11 weeks in a row. So he's basically lost like 27 of his last 29 weeks with the putter. However, however, he has generally been pretty good at Bay Hill. So he lost seven strokes putting last year. Ha. But gain strokes in 2021, gain strokes in 2019, gain strokes in 2017. That's three of the last five years. If you actually look at, believe it or not, the best putting courses for Luke List, Bay Hill's like his third or fourth best. Um, he is a small loser, 0.17, I think, in the negative. But that is better than nearly every course he's played a legitimate sample size at. You'd have to be a real big sicko to make a pretty big investment into, into Luke List. I might be a glutton for punishment enough to do that, but at least you know what you're going to get, and you hope that he can find a little bit of putting prowess. Um, Minwoo, happy to go right back to Minwoo. Happy to go back to Adrian Moronk, two guys that um, were popular in the last week or two just because of how they've been playing. I mean, Min Minwoo's a great player. Minwoo finished T26. Let's, I mean, let's just do – let's look at Minwoo's um, week last week. I think it's worth noting because – you know, he we only had a, a a pretty big sample size of of, of European tour events. So he, here's his round by round at Honda. Gained off the tee in three out of four. Gained on approach in two out of four. He was basically a zero on Friday, and he lost a stroke and a half on Saturday. Gained around the green just once, and gained with the putter off four days. I'll take it. Absolutely take it. How about Adrian Moronk? Where is Adrian Moronk? Morant gained off the tee in three out of four. He gained on approach in all four. He gained around the green in three out of four, and he gained with the putter in three out of four. These guys can play. I'm telling you, they can play. What else do we have in the 7K range that is worth talking about? Um, I guess we'll keep an eye on Dietrich. He withdrew after Thursday's round with an illness, from what I understand. It was not an injury. It was an illness. 
So I assume he's feeling better if he's playing this, and it would be basically a week or six days uh, to kind of get healthy and get rejuvenated. So Thomas Dietrich ended a streak of, of really good play, unfortunately, um, with a with a WD. Oh, Sam Ryder. I wanted to play Sam Ryder last week, and he withdrew on Monday or Tuesday. So can we be impressed by this? What, what does this golf course want you to do? It wants you to be good on approach. What is Sam Ryder's best skill set? He's, he's good on approach. Uh, he's gained in four out of his last five, or four out of his last six. If you go back even further, it's like uh, seven of his last uh, nine, something like that. He's also a very hot putter, or can get hot with the putter. The other thing I like, he had the close call at Torrey Pines. He was leading, going to like the 15th hole uh, on Sunday. Finishes T4. That did not slow him down. And maybe it gave him confidence that he can contend because then he played the two elevated events after that and finished 20th in both of them. So I like the way Sam Ryder's going. You can get him for a flat $7,000 and um, I don't know. Seems seems to be playing with a lot of confidence and has a pretty decent skill set for, for this week. The 6K range has a couple of heroes from last week. Eric Cole, um, who he, he played well from tee to green, but he gained eight strokes with the putter. That's probably not going to happen again. He's 6,900. Justin Suh, who was great from tee to green and lost a bunch of strokes with the putter. That would be a better bounce back, although he's, he's not a great putter in general, so I don't, I don't think you should be holding your breath. Um, Pendrith is pretty interesting, Taylor Pendrith. So I'm, I'm bullish on Pendrith. I have a lot of season-long exposure to Taylor Pendrith. He played better at, at Pebble Beach than I would have expected. He played better at, uh, was it Honda? No, was it Phoenix, maybe? One of these weeks, he was like, he had like three great rounds, and then he punted it on Sunday. But either way, he's made four cuts in a row. When you talk about club head speed, when you talk about, you know, he has not, he's not driven it as well as he, as he had been previously in the last handful of starts. But this is probably one of the spots better suited for Taylor Pendrith just to really be able to drive it around. If you're in the rough, use your pa- – and the guy's so big and strong. Like, use that to extract yourself. I think this is a pretty decent spot to to run him back out. Hayden Buckley is here. $6,500. That is criminally low, but I get it because he has missed three out of his last four cuts. Um I have to show you this. This is insanity. So go to the Holy Grail. This season, this season, in round ones alone, okay? Round ones alone, Hayden Buckley is gaining two strokes per round in round one alone. It is better than Taylor Montgomery and Scotty Scheffler and Tom Kim and Xander Shoffley and Colin Morikawa and Seamus Power. Did I say Seamus Power? So Hayden Buckley is in that class of golfer in round one, okay? Round two, mind you, he is losing over a half a stroke per round. It is like the 12th worst. He is in the territory of Charlie Hoffman, Callum Terran, David Lingmurth. In, his, in those three missed cuts, he lost four strokes in round two, six strokes in round two, and six strokes in round two. I genuinely uh, don't know. Like, I, I don't believe that he just like wakes up on, like cannot play golf on Fridays, right? I don't, I don't believe that. I don't know if it is a little bit of bad luck. I don't know if he's pressing to try to make a cut. He shouldn't be. He finished runner-up at the Sony Open. I, I, I genuinely don't know. My, my hunch, my heart says... 
If you're playing good enough golf, especially out of the gate, to be gaining two strokes per round, to be in the conversation with some of these other stars, and it's just one bad round is is um you know throwing you off for the week. Like that seems pretty random to me. I am a sucker, but will probably have to get Hayden Buckley exposure. I mean, his his upside is too high. He's playing great for the first round. I don't know. It's only it's he's he's basically had three horrible rounds this season. That's it. Three horrible rounds this season. All three of them have turned into miscuts. And I don't think I particularly care that much. All right, I think we should run a model. Let's run a model. Custom model rickrungood.com. All right. I promised a couple of things. Let's do first off, we got to get approach in here. First off, you know, I think in a in a normal week I'd get like 20 or 25 on approach. Um let's do we know let's do strokes gain approach last 36 for 30. That would be a lot for me. The other thing I want to do is um long par threes. Now, remember, this is only four out of 18 holes. So while they are an outlier, I don't necessarily need to like have it be the only thing. Like there's obviously other holes on this golf course. So let's do 15, which I still think is a lot. I will also do uh, like eight on strokes gained hard golf courses. Uh, Let's do driving distance for 12. We have 35 left. We will do, we already have our approach stuff in, right? We will do, uh, let's do a little bit around the green and a little bit of putting. Not too much. Let's do strokes gained around the green last 24 for 10. Strokes game putting last 100, or do we want to go with hot putters? Let's go with, we'll go with 100 here, and I'll save this, and we'll, we on Wednesday we can roll with hot putters. So we have 15 left. Uh, I could do implied win percentage. I could do bogey avoidance. I could do fantasy points, fantasy points gained. There are a lot of bunkers around here. I could do sand saves, although I've already done a little bit around the greens. Let's do, oh, course hit. We had to do course history. It's super sticky, right? So let's do, let's just put our last 15 on Bay Hill. Let's just see what happens. My number one golfer is, yeah, John Rahm. No surprise. Yeah, as he should be. John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, one, two. Terrell Hatton, number three. He's won this event before, $8,300. Scotty, number four. Victor, number five. How about this one? I don't think we talked about him. Hideki's number six, 8200 bucks. Tommy Fleetwood, number seven. Justin Rose, number eight. So those guys are kind of outliers. They're, they're much cheaper than their peers here ranked in the top 10. Zalatoris is nine. Wow, Spieth is 10. That's crazy to me. Day is, uh, excuse me, JT is 11. Day is 12. Sung Jay is 13. Tom Kim is 14. Colin Morikawa, 50. Dietrich, 16. Oh my God. Francesco Molinari, that's my buddy Scott, will play Francesco Molinari now. Uh, $6,900 is 17th in mine, in my model. Wow. Pretty darn good. Let me save this. I need to save this. We'll call it uh, 2023 Bay Hill Monday. And on Wednesday for in the, during the live chat, I'll change it to like um, shorter term putting probably. Interesting. Okay. I got a little work to do on Hideki and Finau and Rose. I'll look into those guys. Spieth a little bit. Um, maybe Sungjae. Okay, cool. So here's where we're at. Betting previews coming Tuesday, Wednesday live chat. Do me a favor, hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. All that stuff I never ask you for. Like, let's just do it. We're we're rocking and rolling. Appreciate all the support. Uh, best of luck this week, guys. I'll talk to you soon.